Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us now to gather and and to sing praises to your name, Father. We're just so thankful for the opportunity you've given us to worship, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, just to uh, see one another and fellowship, and now for the great privilege we have of opening the truth of your word. Father, remind us uh, of the importance of who you are in our lives, the importance of, of understanding and applying the truth of your word and everything we do, and then guide us now, Father, as we try to learn and understand. Challenge us, transform us more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Let me welcome you. First of all, if you're at home, we're so glad you're watching with us and have been able to tune in. Uh, We're going to continue to do that and give you the opportunity to, to watch us from home Uh, gather there with family and uh, worship with us. We're glad you've been able to join us at home. If you're in the the overflow in our fellowship hall, thank you for giving up some space and sitting in there. Uh, We're very thankful for you. It it freed up a little bit more space in here for us. And we're full in here this morning too. So thank you for being here and worshiping live with us. So glad for those of you that haven't been able to come back yet that you're with us this morning. We're excited. A couple of things I want you to be aware of, just kind of looking out in the future a little bit. The 26th of September, there's kind of a national movement of prayer. There's some things going on in Washington, D.C. I just want you to to kind of be mindful of that. Our prayer team is working through that and and, and hopefully going to provide us with a guide that we can use in praying for our country and for our upcoming election. But I just wanted you to kind of put that on your radar and be mindful and and look ahead to that. Uh, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not in a small group, to get in a small group. Right, This is the 11 o'clock service, and so you could have gone to a, a 9.30 Sunday school. If you're looking for one, you don't quite know where to go, come speak to me. I'll introduce you to our leadership there, Jeremy Phillips, who does a great job with our adult ministries and all our Sunday school classes. He can plug you in. Love for you to be a part of a small group uh, on some level, whether it's at 9.30 or maybe it's at the 11 o'clock hour. We have great small groups that are meeting now, uh, fantastic teachers, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm continuing our sermon series this morning. We've entitled The the Sword of Truth. It's it's the idea of walking through this model that I've given you over the last few weeks. And I kind of had some interesting discussions this past week with different people because I worry sometimes as as I preach through this model that it's going to be very repetitious and we're going to say the same things over and over, right? But as I think about it, And as I talk to people, we kind of begin to realize that that's really the point of this series, right? It's going to be a shorter series. We're going to finish it up here in just a few weeks. But I'm teaching you a method, right? I'm teaching you something that now you can take with you wherever you go. It's reproducible. It's easy for you to understand. I've talked about how we use this overseas. In uh, I've taught this in Africa, South Asia, Central America, to pastors, to deacons. And it's such a simple model because they can use it themselves 
to teach God's word, to learn God's word, to understand God's word. And so we've used a sword because it's called the sword method. It was funny, between the services uh, last hour, I was walking back through the hall with this, and I walked through the children's department. Now the children's department is open. Now there are lots of kids back there, and they all said, can I hold the sword? Can I hold the sword? Of course you can hold the sword. It's heavier than it looks. Like these guys that use these things, were <laughs> they were solid because this is a heavy sword. But the sword method is real simple. It gives you four very simple questions that you can ask and answer and discuss for any text in the Bible. And so I'm going to challenge you this morning. We did this at our first service. I'm going to give you just a little bit of a pop quiz. I'm going to let you kind of fill in the blank out loud. We're going to kind of say it in unison together, okay, these four questions. So the first question is, what can I learn about? Good, look at you. What can I learn about? Oh, that was only half of you. Let's try that again. God, what can I learn about? What can I learn about? What can I learn about? Obedience, right? So you go to any passage of Scripture, whether it's one verse, four verses, a chapter, you ask these questions. What can I learn about God? What can I learn about man? What can I learn about sin? What can I learn about obedience? Four very simple questions. You don't need any fancy education to do that. You don't have to put a, a ton of time of research into that. You can take those four questions and it can generate discussion, whether it's in your home with your family, which, by the way, is a great way to do it. Let me just encourage you, moms and dads with kids at home, whether you're watching from home or whether you're live with us right now, if you're not having some sort of a set time with your kids on a regular basis at home where you can pray with them or study God's Word or some combination of those, I think you're missing a great blessing. Right? Just this ongoing, regular, it doesn't have to be every single night at every single time or whatever. It doesn't have to be uh, that regimented. But just this idea that, hey, kids, on some sort of a regular basis, we're going to meet together at night. Right? We're going to pray together, maybe just kind of debrief the day, what was good about your day, what was bad about it. We're going to read some scripture, maybe memorize, maybe talk, whatever. This is a chance to use this model. Hey, kids, let's read a couple of Bible verses. What can we learn about God in these verses? What can we learn about man? What can we learn about sin and obedience? It's a very simple model. I want to encourage you to use it at home. Use it however the Lord leads. Now, I've been giving you each week kind of a little bit of homework so you know where we're going to be and you can read ahead a little bit and prepare a little bit. So last week, I gave you Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Let's go ahead and pull that up on the screen. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. I picked this one because it's about marriage, right? I believe this is the single clearest text in the Bible as it relates to marriage. Now, there's a lot of scripture that talks about marriage. There's a lot of good verses we could preach through and think through, but I wanted you to see these verses because I believe these are the clearest. It's going to give very clear roles for the wife, very clear roles for the husband. It's going to help us understand what the home ought to look like. So let's read this, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, and we're going to work through it using this sword method. Beginning in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I'm going to walk through these questions, right? Every week we've been doing this, I've been demonstrating this sword method to you. And so we've been answering these questions. Now, I want you to understand kind of going into this that the first three questions, what I learn about God, sin, and uh, excuse me, God, man, and sin, we're going to go through those a little quickly. Right? There's a lot we could say about them, but the fourth question about obedience, like how do I live how do I flesh this out? What does this look like for me? I really want to camp out there because I think there's so much practical advice. There's so much practical understanding of these verses. I want to talk about obedience. But I want to answer these first three questions rather quickly. And if we go through these and you say, man, I really wish we could think a little bit more about God. I'm happy to talk with you and we can meet and go through some detail on these verses if you want to. But here's the first question. Put the first question up if you would. What I learn about God, right? There's some, some important things that we're going to quickly go through that we can learn right out of these verses. Now, again, I'm not drawing this from some commentary. I'm not drawing this from 10 hours worth of study on these verses. I'm drawing this right out of the text. Right, what do these scriptures teach us about God? We've got this list. Put those up on the screen if you would, please. Here's some things we can learn about God just in these verses. Christ is the head of the church. The church is made up of the body of Christ, right? Christ is our Savior, verse 23. The church submits to Christ. Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Christ nourishes and cherishes the church. We are members of Christ's body, the church, verse 30, right? Now, we could probably spend an entire sermon on each one of those, right? And I've preached through Ephesians before, and you can go back and listen to my sermons on these verses specifically if you want to hear these, but we could talk for a long time about each one of these verses. The idea here, very simply, is Christ is the head of the church, and we see that in other parts of the book of Ephesians. If you've ever read through or studied through Ephesians, you understand this idea that Christ is the head of the church. But Paul makes this argument, right? As Christ and the church relate to each other, so do the husband and the wife. And so there's a lot of practical guidance in here for us to understand how we should live, how we should act, what this looks like in a godly marriage. So that's the first question. Let's go on to the second question. What I learn about man right? Well, there's a lot of things we can learn. Put those up if you would, please. We can understand that wives should submit to their husbands, verse 22, that the husband is the head of the wife, verse 23. Husbands should love your, that should say wife, it says life, should love your wife as Christ loved the church, and then give yourself or sacrifice for your wife, right? There's a lot of things we can learn about man, right? So we've learned some about God, some about man, Question three, what do we learn about sin? There's not a lot about sin in this passage of Scripture. Now, you know from our study of the last few weeks that some passages of Scripture speak more about God, some speak more about man, some sin, some obedience. There's very little about sin in this, but there's an awful lot about obedience, right? What I learn about God, man, sin, and obedience. There's a lot of things in this passage of Scripture that we can apply to our lives and figure out how we need to live for Christ in our marriage. 
And so I'm going to spend the, the, the bulk of the time, the remainder of my time, working through this idea of how we can obey, right? So what does it look like for the wife, and what does it look like for the husband? So let's back up, and let's just reread very quickly verses 22 through 24. This speaks directly to the wife, right? Now, let me just say this before we do this. I, I want to be clear about this because I know we have a lot of married couples. We have a lot of young couples in our church right now, and I have this... Um, uh, I would say privilege, uh, responsibility, whatever words you want to use there, to deal sometimes with couples whose marriages are not great. And I just want you to understand, right? I need you to understand and, and just kind of listen, uh, believing that this is the case. If you're in a marriage right now that's struggling, and I know there are people that are either listening to me uh, at home or even listening to me live, I know that there are marriages that are struggling, but I want you to know it is possible for you to have good marriage. It's possible for you to find joy in your marriage. And even if it seems like it's kind of spiraling out of control and he says this and she says that and they're arguing and fighting, there's bitterness and anger, Christ can do a miraculous work in your home. You need to cling to that. You need to hold to that. You need to find hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? So there is a, a place for you to understand in this text that there is a good marriage and it can be joyful and fulfilling and wonderful. You say, listen, I'm younger, I'm in college, or maybe I'm a student and I'm not married yet, then this is a great opportunity for you to go ahead and put some things in place in your mind of what one day it will look like. Like girls, you should look for a man that's gonna act like this, right? Like, girls, you should have a high standard for who you date. By the way, this isn't a sermon about dating. Don't date anybody you couldn't marry. Like, don't waste your time. Like, why would you date a guy for three years that you know full well you couldn't ever marry him? Like, you, you know who you're supposed to look for, right? We're looking. This is how a man should act. Girls, you should look for that kind of guy. This is how a woman should act. Guys, this is the kind of lady you're looking for. So if you're young and not married, great opportunity for you to understand and put things into place. Now, I'm gonna start with a wife and I'm gonna give you just a, a kind of a side note here. Uh, I'm gonna cover myself a little bit on this one. Amy, my wife, was in our first service and she was sitting right there. She was sitting on the second row because we flip every row, by the way. So you're sitting on a row nobody else sat on, so it's clean. We're doing a good job with that. But she was sitting right down there and I said, and this is true, I was concerned about this sermon, right? Because when, when I get up and start talking about wives submitting to their husbands, I just want to, I want to be very clear that first of all, I'm speaking from the truth of scripture. It's not my own opinion. But the second thing I wanted to make sure is I didn't say something dumb because I'm known sometimes for doing that. Right? Men, we understand how that works. And so I let Amy read through this yesterday and I worked through some very specific questions with her to make sure that this made sense to her. She felt like I was being fair and honest. So, so the little side note here is if you don't like something I say, go find my wife after church, complain to her because she made me say it. Okay. All right. So here's the first thing I want you to get this morning. Kind of the main point based on this idea of Ephesians 22 and the wife. Number one, a wife should lovingly follow the leadership of her husband, right? Now, if you don't like that, you've got something to, to say about it or you don't agree with it, then your beef really is with the Lord because he said it. This is what verse 22 says. Wives, submit to your own husbands. By the way, it's not somebody else's husband. It's not just men in general. It's just your husband. That's what scripture teaches Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, this particular idea, this idea of submission, this word submit gets a bad rap in our society. 
In fact, if you were interested in reading about how the world views this, there are plenty of people that have written about it. There are plenty of people that have thought about it. And typically, when the world attacks Christian marriage, this is one of the ways they attack it. And they say, are you saying that the husband is better than the wife or smarter or makes better decisions? No, that's not what we're saying at all. And if you feel that way, you've got a clear misunderstanding of the scripture. So let's begin with what the word submit does not mean. Okay, submit does not mean that the man harshly controls and dictates and commands his wife. That's not what the scripture teaches. Like if you think the husband, mean, if you think you're supposed to walk in the house with this kind of cracking the whip and telling everybody what to do and you're in charge and they have to do it whether they like it or not, you are missing the truth of scripture. That's not what the scripture teaches. And if you feel like that's your role and you're in some way supposed to fulfill that role of being in charge of everything, you're in for a long road, dude, I'm telling you. It's gonna get ugly. Because not only is that not how scripture teaches, that's just not gonna work. Submission also doesn't mean the wife is weaker or incapable. It's none of those things, right? So a biblical definition of submission looks more like this. It's a wife's divine calling, right? It's of the Lord, because that's what the scripture says right there. Pull up verse 22 again. I want you to see it. Let's just make sure we see it with our own eyes here. Pull up verse 22. Uh, no, 22. There go, wives, submit to your own husbands as what? To the Lord. Right, so there's this idea of there's this divine calling. The Lord has called the wife to do this. This divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and to help carry it through according to her gifts. Right? So we would say, really, it's this idea of I'm willing to follow the Lord. This is what the Lord's called me to do. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to find joy and hope and peace. Pull that main point back up again in supporting the leadership of my husband. Right? One writer said it like this He said, It's not, it's not an absolute surrender of her will. Rather, we speak of her disposition to yield to her husband's guidance and her inclination to follow his leadership. Christ is her ultimate authority, not the husband. She submits out of reverence for Christ, right? Now, the Bible is real clear that God made men and women equal. Bible's real clear on that. In fact, there's verse after verse. For example, Galatians 3, 23, there's neither, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus, right? So this isn't the idea that the man is somewhere superior or better or smarter. It's simply he's just given the responsibility of leading the family. So, man, I'm going to get to you here in just a few minutes, and I'm going to spend probably more time talking to you than I do to the ladies. But, man, we've got this incredible responsibility in the home. Like, God is going to one day come to you and ask you how you led your family. Are you, are you aware of that? He's going to come to you. And he's going to say, what did you do, Adam, to lead your wife? What did you do, Adam, to lead your children? How did you lead in the home? What did you do to make sure my name was glorified, Right? So this idea that God has, has given this, this sense of responsibility to the husband that he should take very seriously, it's not that he's better than the wife or smarter, it's just God's given them different roles. Now here's what we need to understand about leadership in the home. And I, I, I used uh, Amy already as an example, and, and Amy, is a, she's a, a, a beautiful, wonderful, loving wife. And she gets this, right? 
She understands this, and she tries to support me and does a, a fantastic job at doing this. So one of the things I, I learned early in our marriage, and men, the sooner you can learn this, the better. I learned in a hurry in our marriage that there's some things she's a lot better at than I am, right? And if you don't think your wife's better at you than anything, guys, you need to swallow your pride because I promise you there are things she's better at than you are. And so I realize things about Amy. I see that she's good at certain areas that I'm not good in. And so when I begin to realize that she's better at things than I am, oftentimes I'll defer to her judgment when we make a decision about things, right? Leaders don't always make all the decisions. They just make sure all the decisions are good ones. You understand the difference? And so if your wife is good at a certain thing, man, you need to let her make that decision, if your wife is good at a certain area that you're not and you're weak in that area, you need to defer to her judgment oftentimes. And I promise you, as you begin to do that, you'll understand, man, she's good at an awful lot of things that I'm not good at, and I need to be willing to involve her in that process. I need to be willing to defer to her judgment. One, one commentator said it like this. He said, the woman was made out of Adam's side. She was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be loved. I think that's a great way of saying it. And so, ladies, I'm going to give you three just kind of practical things you can do to follow your husband's godly leadership. Now, look, there's a lot to say to the husbands. I'm getting to you guys, I promise. But here are three things, I'm going to put them up on the screen, that will help you submit to your husband's godly leadership. Here's the first one. Understand that submission is a joyful response to your husband's biblical role as the leader of your home. You need to start with this understanding of the calling in marriage. You need to understand that God has placed the husband as a spiritual leader, that he's going to be one day held responsible. This is God's perfect plan for marriage. And when we begin to do that and understand God's will, it gives us a joyful response. Listen, I'm serving the Lord. I'm following the Lord in this marriage. Here's the second thing. Support your husband's leadership. Help him out. Now, listen, I asked Amy, and she's not in here now. I didn't say this in the first service, but I'm, I'm going to say it now because she's not in here. She said something to me. I said, what, what do you think's the biggest problem in marriage with this idea? Right, what, what do you think in most marriages the biggest problem is? She says, there are too many ladies that want to control what their husband does. That's what she told me. I don't know. I'm just telling you what she said. Again, throw rocks at her. Don't really throw rocks at her. But that was her comment. I think she might be right. And so ladies, we have to understand, we've got to allow our husbands to lead, right? We've got to support him in that. We've got to affirm him that. Men, just a little, a little secret here. Your wife wants you to lead. She wants you to be a strong leader at home. We're going to get to that in just a minute, right? But we need to understand, ladies, we should support him, help him. Listen to Genesis 2.18. This is right after God created Adam before he created Eve. The Bible says, God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him, right? A helper. Right, this is a combination here. This is a partnership here, right? So support, help your husband. Number three, pray for him. And this goes both ways, by the way. I heard a very wise person say this years ago, and I think it makes a lot of sense. They said, listen, when your spouse does something good, you praise them in public. When they do something you don't like, you pray for them in private. That's good. Because a lot of times we reverse it, right? When our spouse does something we don't like, we talk about it in public, and then maybe we praise them in private. 
Like if, you're, if your husband or wife does some good, man, praise them. Let other people know that you're praising your wife or your husband, that you love them. They do a really good job. If your husband or your wife does something you don't like, go in your prayer closet alone and pray about it because the Holy Spirit is a lot better at changing lives than you are. Did you know that? Holy Spirit's a lot better at that. If we pray for one another and just trust the Lord, we'd be amazed at what he would do. Now, that's the wife, right? That's kind of the roles. That's what the wife's supposed to do. That's what the Lord has called her to do, who the Lord's called her to be within marriage. Now, husbands, let's look at verse 25 again. Ephesians 5, 25 and following. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church. And this is talking about the wife, right? There's this, there's this relationship between Christ and the church and husband and wife. So he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, I kind of gave you the main idea for the wife based on that text. Now, let's put up the main idea for the husband. A husband must be willing to sacrifice everything for his wife. Men, you should be willing to sacrifice everything for your wife. Right? There are only three verses that talk about women here. There's six for men, right? So the Lord, I think, realized that there's a lot of responsibility for what, what we do, but I also think he realized that we were hard-headed sometimes and need to hear it twice as often to be reminded of what we're supposed to be doing. But let me just kind of explain to you what's going on here. Pull up verse 25 again. I want you to see this, the, co the connection that Paul makes, right? Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church. What did that mean? That he gave himself up for her. I mean, if you're looking for an example or a model of how you should be a husband to your wife, you look no further than Jesus. Like, how did Jesus love the church? He gave himself up for her. Now, just in case you're, you're fuzzy on the details or you don't remember, let me just read you a passage from Matthew chapter 27, speaking about Jesus in the last few hours of his life. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him, and they put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head, and a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they mocked him, they stripped him of his robe. They put his own clothes on him. They led him away to crucify him. So as we think about the leadership that Christ gave, as we think about the way that Jesus loved the church, we understand that Jesus gave up everything for the church, right? So husbands, if Jesus is our model, we need to be willing to give everything. Now, I think most men would say, you know, if it came to this, I would be willing to give my life for my wife. But we live in a society where typically that doesn't happen, Right? And so as men, we've got to kind of flesh this out, right? I've got to be willing to do that. But if I'm not required to do that, then how am I giving myself for her? How am I sacrificing everything for her on a regular basis, day by day, week by week? Now, that could 
kind of play itself out in, in a thousand different ways. Here are just a few things just to get your mind working to help you think a little bit. Men, here's some ways you can give to your wife. Here's some ways you can sacrifice, right? Because the idea is I'm willing to take whatever I want, my own personal desires, I'm willing to set those aside in favor of serving my wife. So here's a few things that might look like for you. Maybe an hour or so on a regular basis each night just to talk to her about her day. Right, men, when we gather together in groups, we don't typically sit around over coffee and talk for two or three hours. That's just not what men do. We want to go shoot something or hunt something or win something or build something. We, we want to be active and do. That's, that's how men are. Men, your wife typically is not like that. She needs you to listen to her. Did you know that? That's a hard thing for men. And when you listen, you, you should like turn the TV off, turn the game off. Right, and whatever you do, men, don't strategically position yourself so that your wife is sitting between you and the TV. And so as you're looking at her, you're really looking at the game and she doesn't know it. That's not what you want to do. Right, you, you want to be willing to give of yourself. Like, how can I sacrifice for my wife? Right, maybe it means giving a date night on a, a regular basis. Maybe it means giving her help with the kids. Maybe it means doing something that she needs, just a willingness that you're going to set aside what you want to do in favor of serving your wife. Men, listen, you can take this to the bank. Just get ready for this. If your marriage is struggling right now, and I know there's a lot of different things and a lot of things we could talk about, and again, I'm happy to think through that with you and help you. But if you just start by trying to figure out how you can serve your wife and love your wife and demonstrate your love to your wife, you'd be amazed at how your marriage is going to start turning around. I'm telling you. We're supposed to be willing to give everything. I got an email this week. You know, I gave out this passage of Scripture last week, and I said, go home, read it, go over it with your families, let your kids think through it with you, which I hope was a good exercise for you. And I got an email from a man in our church that I have great respect for, been married for years and years and years. And, and I'm not going to give you his name, but I want you to listen to what part of his email said as he's thinking about Ephesians 5. He said, it occurs to me that if we husbands love our wives or loved our wives as directed, then we would be worthy of our wives' submission. I took too many, excuse me, I think too many times we tend to get it backwards and think if our wives were submissive, then we could fulfill our obligation in love. And also it places an obligation on us as well to provide our children with an example of godly living leading to obedience. Now here's the line that got me. I guess the problem we face is we are called to do these things no matter the response of the other. That's a fantastic idea. That's an idea we ought to take into our marriage. Men, we're called to love our wives whether she does the things she's supposed to do with us or not. You hear what I'm saying? Like, man, sometimes we, we get into this mindset, if my wife would just do these things or if my wife would just do this or she'd respect me a little bit more or if she'd kind of fulfill my needs a little bit better, if she would do those things, then I'd be happy to show her love. That's not what the Scripture teaches. That's not what Christ did. Imagine if Jesus said, listen, if the church would just show me a little bit of love, man, you know, if the sinners of the world would just show me a little bit of love, then I'd be happy to die on the cross. But if you're not going to show me any love, church, I'm not getting on the cross for you, right? That's not what Jesus said. In fact, Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You understand that? In the midst of us sinning against him, he gave his life. Men, if we kind of flesh that out in our marriages, it doesn't really matter what our wives do. We're still called to love them. We're still called to sacrifice for them. 
We're still called to give of ourselves as Christ gave to the church. And so we don't want to get this backwards and say, listen, as long as my wife does what she's supposed to do, I'm going to demonstrate love. And that's not what it says. You should demonstrate love regardless of what she's doing. That's the struggle we find in a lot of marriages, by the way. She doesn't do what she's supposed to do, so he doesn't do what he's supposed to do. And then he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, so she decides not to do what she's supposed to do. And this is a downward spiral. We've got to come to this place of saying, you know what, I don't necessarily like what you're doing. I don't necessarily agree with it even in a bad case, but I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Because I promised the Lord all those years ago at that altar in front of that pastor at that church that I was going to fulfill my obligation as a husband or wife. Riches and poorness, sickness and health, right? We get all that. And so I'm going to give you some practical things right here, what it, what it looks like for a husband to be willing to sacrifice for his wife, right? These are just some real practical things based on Scripture, based on things you can do in your life that will help in your marriage. Very quickly, we're going to go through them. Here's the first one. Put Christ first in your life, men. I'm telling you, there's nothing better for you if you're going to lead your family well than to put Jesus first. Because if you put Christ first, your family's going to notice, your wife's going to notice, your kids are going to notice. This isn't a token, just saying the right things occasionally, just doing a couple of right things every now and then. This is a serious response to the teaching of the gospel that I'm willing to put Christ first in my life. It starts there. Here's the second thing, protect and provide, right? This kind of goes without saying. There are all sorts of scriptures that teach this. Listen, the world would say some different things now. The world would say some different things, but I'm happy to demonstrate scripture to you and show you how the, how the Bible answers this question. Here's the third thing, lead with love. Husbands, your wife should never doubt that you love her. Do you understand that? Something really important to her is to know you're gonna stick around, to know you're gonna love her in a week and a month and a year until death do you. She doesn't need to doubt that. There can't be this deal in the marriage where you're constantly wondering and confused and uncertain. You need to lead with love. Honey, I love you. You know, we may be in an argument right now. We, we may be disagreeing. Things may not be the way you think they ought to be, but I love you and I'm gonna be here for you. That's important. Fourth, man, this is difficult for a lot of us. Take initiative. Right, take initiative. That could be with family devotions. It could be with disciplining the children. It could be church attendance, financial responsibility, certain standards within the home. You fill in the blank right there, but it's our responsibility to kind of set the tone, to take the initiative. By the way, man, here's the little secret. Your wife wants you to take the initiative. Did you know that? Man, she wants you to lead. She wants you to demonstrate your love for Christ. She wants you to demonstrate your love for her. She wants you to take the initiative and lead in these areas, right? Don't, don't drag your feet. Don't wait for her to have to request it. You lead, right? It shouldn't be the wife on Sunday morning that says, hey, let's get up and go to church. It ought to be the husband. I mean, we need to lead. We need to take initiative. Here's the next one. Be willing to serve your wife at all times, right? That means when you get off work and you're exhausted, you have a bad day, uh, your boss yelled at you or an employee yelled at you or a customer yelled at you or something broke or whatever, we need to be willing at all times to serve our wives. And then finally, men, we need to be gentle and kind in the way we respond. This is a difficult thing for men. 
very easy for us to get frustrated and angry and, and gruff sometimes in the way we speak. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm going I'm to be very transparent with y'all. Years ago, I can remember getting on to my kids at some point, and I know none of y'all, I know none of y'all have ever yelled at your kids, right? So forgive me that I did one time in my life. But I got mad about something, uh, and I was just kind of explaining to them, you know, they shouldn't do this anymore. And I caught my reflection in the mirror. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't like, children, you should be kind and happy. It was more like a, you know, I was frustrated. And when I saw my reaction, I was like, whoa, I don't need to present that to them. That's not who I need to be. I mean, sometimes we're unaware. We get upset and frustrated, whatever the case may be. And our facial expressions or the way we respond and anger, we need to be gentle. We need to be kind, right? Now, listen, we, we need to wind this thing down. I'm running out of time. I got a lot more sermon than I do time left. So let me just kind of give you the, the last couple ideas here. Question number five, what's the main idea of the passage? Right, main idea is found really in that last verse, verse 33. Let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband, right? Husband, you need to love your wife. Wife, you need to respect your husband. That's the simple version, main idea of this passage. And then how can we apply this to our lives? Listen, I've given some practical advice to women. I've given some practical advice to men. I'm going to finish up now with some practical advice for your marriage, for both of you. We're going to go through them very quickly. Again, if you want to talk in detail, I'm happy to meet with you. But here's kind of how we apply this to our life as a couple, right? Put Christ the center of your home. Just make the decision. This is going to be important for us. Not wishy-washy, not good one week, bad another week, not making some godly decisions for some part of our lives and then kind of ignoring the teaching of Scripture for the other. Let this be a solid anchor in your life. Christ is the center of the home. Secondly, choose to love and remember your commitment. Right? If you're young, listen to what I'm going to say to you. If you've been married a number of years, you already get this. Just listen. I don't, I don't want to offend anybody or hurt your feelings, but just listen to what I'm going to say to you. Love is not an emotion, it's a choice. Let me say that again. Love is not an emotion, it's a choice. Now, emotion is part of love, okay? I get it. I totally get it. I love my wife. There's a lot of emotion involved in that process. But at the end of the day, I'm married to my wife because I've chosen to love her. You understand that? She's the woman I've given my life to. She's the woman I desperately desire to spend the rest of my life with. I've made that choice because there are mornings, and y'all know this, that you wake up and you may not have the emotion of love. You may not have the emotion of joy. We need to remember, listen, this is the commitment that we've made. We're going to love each other, choose that commitment. We're going to choose love. Here's the third thing. Spend time together. Very important especially with kids and schedules and difficulties. Spend as much time together as you can. Here's the next one. Pray for each other, whether that's together. Some couples like to pray together. Some couples like to pray separately, however the Lord leads you. The next one is very, very important. Manage expectations. I mean, I, I could spend a whole sermon series on expectations. Typically what happens in, in marriages when they go wrong is he's got one set of expectations. She's got a different set of expectations. They're not wrong, it's just he thinks it's going to be one way. She thinks it's going to be different. If you don't manage those expectations, you're going to get your feelings hurt. You're going to get upset. Because, I mean, you, you had this expectation. It was going to be a certain way. She didn't have that same expectation. Women, you had a certain expectation your husband didn't have. Manage those things. Discuss them. Talk about them. Be transparent. Understand what's going on in your marriage. And then maybe the most important one we said this morning, forgive. Right? Just be willing to forgive. I promise you it's not worth it. 
Whatever it is, it's just not worth it. Just forgive. Right? Christ forgave us, so we forgive others. Now, let me just finish with this idea. I started with this. Let me just finish with it. There is absolute hope that you can have a good marriage, right? There's absolute hope that you can have joy in marriage, that you can have peace in marriage. You can be fulfilled in marriage. It's a beautiful picture of Christ in the church, husband and wife. It is possible. But let me just tell you, if you're struggling on some level, I'm happy to help you. And I can talk to you. I can recommend counselors for you. I can give you good books to read. I can give you videos to read. I can put you in touch with an older couple that's been there, done that for you to meet with on a regular basis. If you're struggling, let somebody help you because it's pretty typical when I meet with a couple that's going through marriage struggles, they never say to me, oh, you know, this just started last week. Typically what they say is, well, we've been struggling this for years. It's been five, six, eight, ten years this has been happening, right? It's just we're heading down this road. So if you're heading down that road, if you realize we're struggling, there are things we're going through we need to fix, let somebody help you. Now, I always give homework because next week I want you to kind of go through and study through. So put that up on the screen. Next week we're going to do 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 20. That's a Lord's Supper passage, right? We're taking the Lord's Supper together next week. If you're at home and you still don't feel comfortable, you can come by the church. We've got the little juice things with the, with the, with the uh, bread in it. You can get one of those, take it home, partake of the Lord's Supper at home. If you're here next week, we're going to do that together. But you take that passage of Scripture home, you read through it, study through it, ask those questions, discuss it with your kids, see how the Lord leads, okay? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, to gather and to sing praises we thank you for this passage of Scripture, Father, for just the, the clarity that you've given us in the roles of a husband and a wife, what that ought to look like, Father, how we ought to live and, and forgive and love one another and sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, that you've been so clear with us. Help us now to take this truth, to apply it to our lives. May you receive honor and glory in all the things we say and do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.